we don't need, you know, the, the mark of the beast revelation and who the false prophet is. We don't need all that, although it'd be interesting. But to live our life in faith, there's just a few principles that we have to have. So let's turn to Mark chapter 11. Did anybody see uh, that uh, probably was on Fox because that's what we watch sometimes where the uh, where China is trying to get into our healthcare system or they're actually offering to uh, set up uh, testing places for the COVID and uh, the broadcaster said, well, that's what that really is. What? What he, what he said that was is that China was wanting to be able to gather data on our DNA because they say, now, you know, I don't know, but they say that if you know DNA, then you can predict what diseases and what uh, uh, your lifespan will be and your cognitive and all that stuff. They say it's all in there already. And so they want to be able to predict our future so that on one thing they can provide care for that, but on the other thing is if they think that you're unfit, there could be eugenics involved in that where they say, oh, you, got, you got cancer in your future and it, it looks bad, so you got to go. That's, that's under an Orwellian world, but it's not out of the, the, the deal of, of possibility. Now, I don't like to bring up stuff like that, but I bring it up to say we are going to change our DNA so that none of that stuff is weak. There's no propensity for this and no weakness for that. We are changing our D DNA starting tonight. We're going to talk about words. I put your words create your life. And we're going we're gonna to go back to that. It's a basic. I know all of you, we are all aware of that. It's not like, well, I never heard of that before. But all of us need to be refreshed and encouraged in how powerful this is. Because I want to live by faith. I want to live by faith. I don't want to just say, well, if there's a trouble, I'll call somebody that's in faith and get them to ditto for me. I want to live by faith. I want to live by faith in my money, in my body, in my marriage, in... Uh, in my ministry, whatever, I want to live by faith in all of it. And used to be that live by faith meant that you had to go through hard times and do without, and you were living by faith because you, you didn't have a car and you didn't have a house. You were under the bridge, but you were living by faith. And that's not it at all, is it? We're actually leading. We're going to lead the nation uh, with our faith. And uh, I, I told our website uh, lady, I said, she said, what do you want for the website? And I said, I want the most pronounced church website in the state of Alabama. And she giggled. She said, I like this. Let's do it. So we are working on that to be so that when when people try to find us, I know they're not looking now, they will have something that will be basically how to get born again, how to be spirit filled and all of that. So in Mark chapter 11, you know the drill, verse 23. Let's read it together. I'm in the King James. 11:23. ready, read. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So here he's talking about, basically we would say, uh, religion wants to talk to God about the mountain and wants to swim around, say, Lord, you know this, and Lord, you, you're aware of that, and they say this and that. that. That's talking to God about the mountain. But the word here says to talk to the mountain about God. 
to, to, to tell it what to do. So it's a dominion that we have as believers. It's dominion. Say dominion. dominion. That's who we are, dominion. And uh, it's in Genesis chapter 1. He said, you take care of everything, Adam and Eve, and uh, we have dominion. And that is the single most thing, after not some churches not teaching the new birth, that's the single most powerful thing that's missing in the Christian life, at least in America. So uh, you notice there, it doesn't say anything about God. It doesn't say, well, ask God or call on God or see if God will you know, go along with it. He's talking about pulling a kingdom lever where we pull it and it happens. In other words, God's here and he's uh, certainly in charge in the sense of the word, but he's already set the system up for us to dominate. And so what it's really talking about here is get in the system. Get in the system of dominion and you won't have any troubles. So uh, he says uh, in verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire. How powerful this is. When ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Believe you receive them by the eye of faith. Believe you receive them, that it's done, it's finished. I'm resting in the, in the finished fact of that. Uh, so, he, again, he doesn't involve the will and the permission and the motive of God. He says, what things soever ye desire. Ye means me. And go, well, God, what if I desire the wrong thing? And this has always been the religious pushback to this to say, well, you know, that can't be that way because people will just desire all sorts of things. Well, sure they do. But they got a whole bunch of other stuff in their, wrong, in, in their life that's not right. And so it's not talking to them. It's talking about people that can actually speak to the mountain. You can't take 24 away from 23. If you're willing to speak to the mountain and say, mountain, I'm talking to you, then you're going to desire the right things, right? You're going you're gonna to line up. So he says, what things soever ye desire. So we're not asking God. But we're building the blueprint that is inside of us. Every builder gets a blueprint, gets plans. Uh, I, I called him this week and said, uh, I'm lot 100 in Waterford, and uh, I don't know what color my cabinets are. Could you look it up? And they looked it up and sent me a whole sheet of every speck in my house, what the tile, the grout, the paint, the... Everything, it's because it's on the builder, uh, the spec. Then they built it. They didn't have to go and ask the builder. They already had that laid out. Well, that's what's inside of you and me, the blueprint of God for your life. And, of course, we overlap in so many areas. It's the same. But there's specifics to you that we'll never touch. There's things that you'll be called to do that you look around and say, how come they don't have to do it? And you could have a little snotty attitude about that, like, why me? But uh, it'd be wrong, because too much is given, much is required. So uh, verse 24 says, it goes on and says, Believe that ye receive them. Not asking God again. You believe, you receive them. Well, that implies that God's already put them out there for you just to come pick it up. You know, you go into a restaurant, and you order it, and the, and, the, and the waitress puts your order on the little spinny thing. Cook takes it down, and he does it all up, and then he puts the plate on the counter. And she goes and gets it. You, when you order, you believe you receive it. 
And uh, you send it back if you didn't. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we're building his blueprint inside. Turn to Mark chapter 4, please. Mark chapter 4. So we're going to talk about Word for a few sessions, if it works out for me. Mark chapter 4. Now, the first part of Mark chapter 4, he's telling a parable. He's comparing it uh, to birds and a sower and, and all of that. But then in verse, uh, what is it, 15, he, he said, uh, verse 14, he says, This parable, 13, he says it's a parable, but in 14, he says, The sower soweth the word. The sower soweth the word. The sower soweth the word. So that's what we're doing. We're sowing the word, and we're letting the word get sown into us. There is no religious, uh, like some denominations say, their, their Sunday service is a um, Sunday obligation. And so they go, so that God's taken role, he'll check you there. You ever been in those uh, large classes at, uh, at a university, and there's just hundreds of people in there? And you get somebody to sit in your spot. I mean, I didn't, but they all did. Or you, or you leave after they take role or whatever. Well, that's what these people are like, but that's not it at all, is it? And these, verse 15 said, and these that soweth the word, these are they that by the wayside where the word is sown, talking about the seed, but when they have heard, so that's the ground. We, we hear, we're like a, the ground to the seed of the word. Satan cometh immediately and taketh away that was, that was sown in their hearts. So uh, he taketh away the word. You ever had the word stolen from you? Yeah. Oh, I have. Uh, sometimes I'll get, I'll get something that is so powerful and so needful for my Sunday morning, whatever. I'll say, I could never forget this. This is so powerful and wonderful, and I won't write it down. I don't want to wake me up or anybody else. And the next morning it's like, ooh. <laughs> so he, he stole it. So it says, he, he cometh immediately and taketh away that was so, so, the word that was sown in their hearts. So I was meditating on how does he, how does he steal the word? Well, in, we won't go there, but in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the devil comes to Eve and she says, we can't eat that fruit. God said. Y'all remember what the devil said back to her? He said, the serpent said to the woman, yea, hath God said. Let's say it together. Yea, hath God said. So the way the devil steals the word is he brings it uh, uh, a question to it. He confronts it. He competes with it and said, you didn't hear that right. That's impossible that someone little like you and, and never been used before that you could have heard that word. Or that, yeah, you heard it, but it doesn't mean what you think it means. It means something else. And we'll go to some religious book and we'll get that to explain. Hath God said. Now, he won't be talking to you, the devil, like that. Won't say, hath God said. He's way too subtle for that. And in that verse, it says he was subtle. But he will bring it in some way that you'll doubt how powerful that word is to you. It's the word of God and it is sown on our heart. So we have to, we have to get to be good ground. So he can't steal that and even say, how about me? Well, we'll just go then. We'll just go for a while and see how, how far we can go. Yeah. Okay, so hath God said, you gotta, you got to be aware, the devil's going to challenge the word that is sown in your heart. In verse 16, let's go on. He says, uh, 
And these are they, likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. So there's a real emotional and rightfully so gladness. But have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, after the gladness, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, for the word's sake, persecution comes for the word's sake. You've been having people oppose you, people that don't like you, people that are, that, that are just not easy to get along. It's for the word's sake. Now, if you've got bad breath or, you know, whatever, it may be other things, but otherwise, it's the word's sake. And immediately they are offended. i a little on that one. I don't do that. All right, we're doing this. Praise God. So, uh, no root in themselves. Now, what kind of, have you ever listened to someone that uh, uh, is wanting to do something and they say, well, the, I have a witness in the Lord. These people, that they're offended in themselves. I notice what they commonly say is, well, God gives you the desires of your heart. Have you ever heard that? It's not for this place. It's not for the seed sown. He tells you in the Word what to do. It's not waiting on the desires of your heart. He does lead us by that, but these people, that I've, I've been with people, and everything they want to do that I thought was wild-eyed, that's how they justified it. They said, well, God gives you the desires of your heart, and I really want this. And so there they are. Um, let's look in... Uh, so you know when someone says, God gives you the desires of your heart, that something other than faith is operating. Let's look in verse 18. And these are such... They which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Uh, no root in themselves. Excuse me. Lust of everything, other things. Excuse me. I looked up that word lust, and it means, uh, in the Greek, it means a strong, seldom denied, Appetite or drive. No pushback. We just, we just can't say no to it. And so uh, we get the word sown in our hearts, and the appetite comes and says, we're going to go another way. Notice how it comes in here. It's uh, the cares of this world. Verse 19. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in. The cares of this world simply means distractions. Are you all aware of distractions like I am? So it takes everything. Mostly what I work on in the sense of paying attention is to get away from the distractions. So sometimes when you watch the news all the time, it starts working against you. Starts You get with people that are talking the problem in America. What else can they talk about? And it becomes a distraction and you start getting your eyes, your heart, off of the things of God, because it's all in the Word, what's happening right now. But what I want to look at here in verse 19 is the less of other things entering in choke the Word. I looked up the word choke, and it means to crowd, to strangle, and listen to this, to drown. So if we put that in there, the less of other things entering in drown the Word or strangle the word, or restrict the word, and it, the word, becomes unfruitful. But how does it get in there? Well, the, it says there the less of other things 
entering in. It does not choke us unless it enters in. The lust of other things entering in. So I believe that more than just revelation, you, go, you come to church, you read the Word, you're before the Lord in prayer, and you, you get things. Praise God, we get things. Pray in the Holy Ghost, things start bubbling up, and we get things. But, uh, and those things are good for particular answers. Go here, don't go there, do this, don't do that. But it builds a framework in you that you're unaware of, I'm certainly unaware of it, that causes you to be at the right place with the right people, and it causes you to make wise decisions, whereas you used to may have gone off and be pulled off by the lust of other things. You keep going straight. So our attention to the Word, our attention to the whole kingdom of the Word, keeps us from going astray, keeps us straight. And I'll tell you, I know, and I'm sure you do too, it takes a lot of work to have a redo, to have a do-over, to miss it and have to back up and redo it. It's just in every realm, it's not good. And I'm determined not to have any do-overs in this stage of my life because the time is short. We don't have do-over time, and it just takes a lot out of you, plus it, uh, it doesn't look good. So you have to close the gate. I am the gate closer of my life. I open and shut the gate to the less of other things, the cares of this world entering in. I do that. God is not doing that. He wants you to do it. He's empowered us to do it, but He is not closing the gate. God is not in control. I'm in control. He set up the system that makes me in control have the will of God. He set up the system where I can control and I can dominate and I can have a good life and be in the world but not of the world, living above the world. Be like Goshen was in Egypt when all the land was under the plagues. Goshen, where the Israelites were, didn't have any of that trouble. The sun was shining bright and the grass was going green. Hallelujah. So, how do these thoughts enter in and choke the Word? Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6? Choke, drown, strangle. That's what the cares of this world, the lust for other things, entering in, choke the Word, drown the Word. It's almost like we didn't even have the Word because we get so far off if we stay under the water too long. But here the Lord Jesus explains it. In, in chapter 6 of uh, Matthew, He tells us about these things and he said uh, in verse 30, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not, not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And so here's the remedy, verse 31. Verse 31 says, Wherefore, wherefore, meaning since God does clothe us better than he does the grass of the field, wherefore, Take no thought. The Greek, the implication is anxious thought. Take no thought, saying, say that with me, saying, again, saying. So it's not just that you didn't think it. Oh, I'm condemned. I thought of it. I thought, I worried inside my head and I'm condemned. It doesn't change your life until you say. The only problem is out of the abundance of the heart, 
the mouth speaketh. So we got to keep it from coming into abundance. No abundant negative thoughts. No abundant. What are we going to do? The world is caving in. The sky is falling. No abundance. Because when we get an abundance, there's a trip line and it will come out. Amen. So it says in verse 31, Therefore take no anxious thoughts, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? What's it talking about there? It's not talking about groceries or a water supply. It's talking about life. And it's talking about it taking all of your life to live your life. Many, many people have no overflow because it's taking everything they got to get to the end of the day. And they're exhausted. They're wore out. They're neglecting things that they want to do, want to see, want to hear. But they can't because they're done. And it's because they didn't have strength for the day because they, didn't, they were taking anxious thoughts. Thoughts take your strength. Anxious thoughts take your strength. Would you all agree with me there? If you've ever been around a worrier, it takes your strength just for them to listen to them worry and carry on. It just wears you down uh, thinking about how, how this is so useless and yet they're consumed by it. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Y'all remember when gas was $4? I had that little Yukon, and it held 25 gallons. And one time I was bone dry, I pulled into Sam's, and it was $4 a gallon. It took a $100 bill to get me out of there. Y'all remember that? $100 to get out of the gas pump. Well, what, what if it goes to $4 again? We don't care, because there's plenty more where that came from. And God, the God that, that pays for the $2 gas now will pay for us to have $4 gas. He clothes us better than the lilies of the field. We eat and we drink everything of life. We have fullness. But it's an attitude. It's a perspective. It's a, it's a way of looking at it. And if you don't look at it, you'll have to strain to say, oh yeah, oh yeah, there's plenty, there's plenty. Oh, is that right? There's plenty? You've got to get it down in you. Where, you. where somebody else says, what are we going to do? You say, there's plenty. I say there's plenty. There's plenty more where that came from. Y'all, we ought to get up every day and say that. We ought to say that. There's plenty more where that came from. So I'm, I'm taking no thought about what came into my life and went out of my life because there's a stream, there's a river, there's a flow into my life, and it's never ending. It'll always run. So in verse 19, oh, excuse me, I took us off the, the, the beaten path of Mark, of... Uh, Mark 4, here we are. Verse 19 says, And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in drown, choke, strangle the word, and it, the word, becomes unfruitful. The word there is barren, unprofitable. It means idle. What are you and I going to do if the word is unfruitful in our lives? If If we're separated from the word and we are on our own, What's scarier than that in the sense of you and I used to the anointing, used to the plan of God, used to the wisdom of God? So what it means there when it says unfruitful, that it's limited. It's limited. The potential of the word is so unfettered, so abounding, so exceedingly, exceeding abundantly above what you could ask or imagine that when we worry or when we allow the word to get choked, we're limited. I wrote down, uh, we're hindered. 
Don't you hate to be hindered? Don't you hate, I don't ever run, but if you were running, you'd hate to have a bunch of dogs uh, barking around you and hindering your race. Like I said, that's never happened. I just saw that on TV one time. Hallelujah. So hindered from what? What is a seed designed to do? Produce. You don't have to do anything special to it. After you put it in the ground and water it, it will do the work. I was a farmer for 10 years, and all you had to do is get it in the ground, make sure you didn't plant it so deep that it couldn't get up, or not plant it so shallow that it dried out. Plant it just right, and it would do the end of it. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. It was already pre-programmed to do that. And so uh, we need to get our seed in the ground, becoming fruitful. If we go back to that scripture, he says in verse 20, and these are they which are sown on good ground. I got good ground, don't you? River Church is good ground. You're good ground. We're good ground. Did you know men are looking for you to give to you? They're running and searching for you to give to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. They're looking for you. They have an unction. When they get in your presence, when they get your name in front of them on a card, they are moved towards you to give towards you. That's the working of the seed. That's the harvest that has to be. Say it with me. Has to be. This law is so immutable. And I say it. The sun will quit rising in the east before this law will fail one time. If you believe that, if you believe that, it'll change your life. My seed will produce. Just like we, we, we pray. We pray together. It changes things. We give. Put my offering in the plate. It changes my future. It cannot fail. Now, it can get hindered. It can get choked. It can, I can get offended by that and choke it and hinder it. But if I will take no anxious thoughts saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we be clothed in? If I can quit saying that out of the abundance of a heart, start putting things in or positive, dominating, out of it will come that, then the seed will be unhindered and it will produce what it was planted for. It's uh, verse 20, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. Remember Israel. Now, you know Israel back in uh, Moses' day, they lived under an inferior covenant. Is that right? We got better promises based on better blood. And yet they lived completely unemployed. Every day there was provision for that day. And if they tried to store it over, to store it up, you know, get them a little rainy day fund, the word says it stank like worms, or I guess it had worms in it, and it didn't work for them. And they, uh, they never failed. The word says in Matthew that you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and the world system. So taking anxious thoughts about what you're going to do and what's tomorrow going to bring and how are we going to get through this, hinders the work of the seed producing maximum optimum yield. So I tell myself, quit it. Stop it. Don't do that anymore. Because you get the news and you say, well, that's going to be this and that to me. And it's just wrong. Every once in a while, Deborah Ann will go, she knows better. We'll quit with this. The Word says in Romans 12, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
So we have to stay on it. Trans, the new birth is instant. Praise God. We got regenerated in a blink of, a, of an eye. But to be renewed means we have to be selective about what we take in. They say, dietitians, I don't know, but they say you are what you eat. We just pay no attention to them. Hallelujah. I'm just kidding. Okay, all of y'all out there, you believe that. But I will tell you it's true concerning spiritual food, spiritual bread. You are what you eat. What you take in is what's coming out, and it will not be different than that. So we're feeding. If all you get in your life, what's coming in is periodicals and newspapers and uh, the news, Fox News or CNN, whatever people are watching, if all you are is around people of an opinion that are not dominating, they're talking about the world, you're not going to have any power and your seed will be hindered. So sometimes we have to withdraw from that, from people that it takes all of their life to live their life because that's what they're actually doing. They're complaining that they don't have any life left over. They've been it several ways, but they're saying, I am tired of life living on the edge. And if I fail, if I fall down, if I err in one little way, I'm over and I'm done. And they hate that. And I would. So we, at the very least, have to change our or adjust our approach so that uh, it doesn't happen. James, you know what? James one. We'll quit with this. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So I, I'm single-minded. I'm staying on track and not getting off track. I'm feeding. You're feeding. We're feeding on the things of God. And what will come out is the work of God in our life. The Word is everything. The Word is everything. Jesus said, if you know Mark chapter 4, you know everything about the kingdom because the kingdom is the seed time and harvest principle. Amen.